What is up, everybody? And welcome to the Joe Kilgallen Podcast, a.k.a. Kilgallen's Pub. How's everyone doing? You guys getting pumped up for the holiday season? Are you Jewish? Did you just wrap up Hanukkah? Those eight crazy nights? I never know when it ends. Usually you'll hear on the news or something, hey, first day of Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah, everybody. Go have yourselves a hell of a Hanukkah time or whatever, you know. Sing some Adam Sandler, spin the dreidel, have some Manischewitz. I believe that's a Jewish type of wine. And then you don't hear anything else. It's eight days. Okay. I feel like with all the Jewish people out there who are incredibly talented, some of the best comedians, actors, directors, producers, we need to, we need to amp up the marketing around Hanukkah. You know, Christmas is great. I celebrate Christmas, but let's, I want something to rival it. I want a WWE WCW from 96 to 1998 for you wrestling historians. That kind of rivalry doesn't need to be a rivalry, right? You could have two great things simultaneously. Some people like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. You don't have to choose is my point. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, I'm a stamp comedian based out of Chicago, Illinois, but I do travel around this great country. Uh, I haven't been really traveling much lately, though. I like to stay home. I like to soak up the holiday season. I do. But this is now a 30-minute podcast in which I rant about whatever fucking comes to mind, typically stuff that you'd uh, talk with your friends about at the pub, at the bar, you know? If you want to support this podcast, you can check out the Patreon. A bonus episode will be up later on today. Or, yeah, later on today, a bonus episode will be up. And you could get tons of great content on there, some blogs, some stand-up comedy clips that only you get to see. That's patreon.com. Slash Joe Kill Gallon. All right. Now that I got that out of the way, I had, oh, uh, anyone else pigs out there? Are you guys a pig like me? Who, what I mean by that is like you're a disgusting person who doesn't clean your car. I got to get this shit under wraps. I've gotten a lot better at cleaning my home. I'm doing a new thing now where when I enter a room or when I leave a room, more importantly, I think, what do I need to remove from the room that I'm in? Meaning like, oh, there's a cereal bowl. Let's let's take that with me into the kitchen. Oh, there's a wrapper. Let's take that. So I'm kind of doing that thing. And it's been working great. I love it. You know what else I'm doing? I'm taking the extra 10 seconds. When I come home, I take my coat off and I immediately hang it up. Whether that's in the closet or on a hook of some kind. Because I, for my whole life, take the coat off. I just throw it onto a couch or a chair. But guys, that's not where your fucking coat goes. Your coat belongs on some kind of hanger or hook. So now I'm starting to do that and it it feels good. I'm like one of those people who makes their bed when they first wake up. And I was never a big fan of that. I remember some speech went viral a few years ago where the dude was like, make your bed first thing in the morning because you're starting your day off right. And I was always one of those dudes that whenever something gets overly popular or whatever, I'm not like this anymore, but I was very cynical. I'd be like, we'll make your bed in the morning. I guess what? You're just going to mess it up at night, dipshit. Why don't you just save your time? That's what I would say. Uh, cause I'm a big believer in, Hey, time's the most valuable currency, right? If I'm just going to mess it up again later, why, why am I making this bed? I don't mind that it's messy. I don't mind coming home to a messy bed, but then I changed my tune a little bit. I realized by doing something as simple as making your bed immediately, it is getting your mind in the condition of I'm crossing shit off list today. You know, it just, it gets it to the point where you're just completing tasks And I don't care who you are, completing tasks feels good. It does feel good, even if it seems useless. And there were times where I I remember thinking, this seems useless, you know? 
why shower? I'm just going to get dirty again. It was what I used to think. No, I never was that much of a scumbag. But here's why I bring up the whole piggy thing in regards to my car and being a complete pig. So I'm driving. This is just the other day, literally yesterday. I'm driving and at a red light. So I got a lot of a couple different fast food bags in on the passenger side floor. And I and they're not, it's not gonna be in fast food every day. They've been accumulated over a couple months now, probably at least. I I break at a red light and there's movement in the bags of the, you know, McDonald's and who know Taco Bell or something. I like literally look down and I see a Taco Bell wrapper moving. And I'm like, oh my God, it's finally come back to bite me. And it might bite me. I have been such a scumbag not cleaning my car. I'm hearing my dad's voice in my head being like, this is why you're supposed to clean your car. Next time you get gas, there's garbage cans right there. Use the garbage cans at the gas station, right? Just do that, you know? And I'm like, shit, is there a fucking mouse in my car? I just saw the movement. And I'm like, all right, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just something, you know, a little, I don't know. I'm hoping it's not. I start driving and then I'm seeing some more movement and I'm like, oh man, I don't want to see this. What do I do? Do I park and open up the door and hopefully it scurries the hell out of the car? Lo and behold, everyone, it was not a mouse. It was a water bottle that was frozen because I'd left it out. And although the weather's very nice today, unseasonably, it's almost 60 degrees in Chicago. Isn't that crazy? But on December 15th, that's nuts. Anyway, it was just a frozen water bottle that was under the seat. And when I hit the brake, it rolled out and rolled underneath fast food garbage, making me think a mouse was within fast food debris. And holy shit, did that nearly give me a heart attack? Because that is next level disgusting. Like, I don't have an old beater car. I got a solid 2015 Honda CRV, not bragging power windows. What's up? And, but you know, those. That's not the type of car you, you assume some homeless man's living in because cars that people live in are usually some sort of tan, ugly color, like a Chevy Nova or something like some old car where you're like, I don't think they even make these anymore. This guy's made a home out of it though. You know, some sort of weird station wagon with like fabric seat torn apart. You know, it's just so in my head, I'm like, how the fuck did a mouse get in? Was I letting one of my kids in and that mouse been staking out the car? Some some little pipsqueak mouse was all like, ooh, that car, I could smell it. I don't know how good mouses smell, you know? And so it was probably eyeballing, knowing, oh, there's some trash in there for me. One day I open up the door, get my son in there, putting him in his car seat. I'm not paying attention. Little mouse darts its way through. And I thought, that's how it happens. I have now crossed over to a new level of scumbag in which I have a loose mouse living in my car. But thankfully, just a water bottle rolling around in trash. Whew. And now some of you are thinking, Joe, I bet you cleaned your car right away after that. No, it's still a fucking mess. Still a mess. Look, I got shit to do. Like there's just certain things. I want, next time I get gas, I am going to clean it though. I didn't need to get gas yesterday, but there are things you don't remember to do until you're on your way out the door. Now I remember um, my in-laws, the, their, their gate is like a real messed up thing. You have to like, it's, it makes, it needs a lot of WD 40. It needs to be fixed on like the one latch part. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, this never gets done because by the time you remember it, you're leaving to go somewhere else. That's what it's like with cleaning a car. Most human beings I imagine are like me in the sense that they give themselves enough time to get to where they have to go on time. Meaning if there's a car accident, you're not getting there on time. 
Meaning if, you know, you have to stop to piss any little deviation from your plan, you're going to be late, right? We all should be better. We should be aiming. Oh, I got to be there at four. I'm going to aim for 350. We don't do that though, as people. So to remember to clean your car, usually I'm in the car, seatbelt on, I'm cruising. And all of a sudden I look over at all the trash. I'm like, fuck, I've been meaning to clean this out, but I'm already, I can't stop to clean it. Then I got places to be, baby. I got places to be. Speaking of driving, here's something interesting. My, uh, my, my four-year-old's in preschool and I, I was driving, I was running a bunch of errands and it was around the time they have recess and I knew that. And so I was like, oh, I'm only a couple blocks away. I'll drive by the school. But I didn't want to like yell out the window at him, you know, because then he'd be like, oh, dad, are you here to take me home now? And it's like, no, no, that's a couple more hours from now. Yeah, I just didn't want to mess with that. But I wanted to watch him on the playground, see if he's having fun, you know, and and he wasn't all that it was cool. But I remember like <laughs> I wasn't like parked. I was just like in the middle of the street looking out the window, kind of creeping along at preschoolers on slides and swings. And I remember thinking to myself, man, if anyone, any other adults eyeballs this car or anyone looking out their window, they're going to be like, oh, look, there's a potential pedophile, you know, creeping along the street, looking at kids playing someone quick at the license plate. And I thought to myself, I'm like, man, what a sad world we're living in where anytime we see an adult staring out at a group of kids playing, we think a predator. Isn't that fucked up? I get it, though. I would think the same thing. If I was driving by a school where I didn't know the kids, you know, maybe they're older, maybe they're in third grade, and I see a car slowly going by, look where, where I all I know is I see a head turned out the window. I don't know what a facial expression is. That can make it worse or better. You know, worse where if it's like the guy's foaming at the mouth or better where it's just like he's kind of like looking on like, oh, hey, I'm looking for my kid. But the thing is that like, I, if I saw that, I would probably think, oh, this is bad news. That's the thing, man. That's where the media really kills kills you and kills all of us. It makes you believe things are so much worse than they are that you can't trust anyone. We're suspect of so many people now. I don't like that. I don't like living that way. If I saw some old man on a park bench and he's looking out at kids playing, I would want to think, hey, maybe his kids are all grown up now and they live in different parts of the country his, his wife passed away recently and he just likes to sit on this bench because that was the bench he would sit on when his kids were that, that age. And he's just sitting there reminiscing. You know, he's in his 80s now. And no, right? He's not doing anything wrong. What's what's wrong with that? But now it's like, look at that guy over there, huh? But he's going to jerk off to this later. It's fucked up. I, that's, and that's what media does. What we don't, without us even realizing, that's the subtleties. Because as, as much as people start to pick on stuff with media where they're like, oh, they're divided. I know more people now have noticed when a news story shouldn't be a news story. Or I think everyone's come to grips with the fact where it's like, you know, that one woman who her boyfriend probably killed her recently and there had this big search in the woods for her. You know, horrible, sad for her and her family. But that stuff happens a lot. But why was her story like the lead story every day for a couple weeks? pretty white girl like we know that like the news will gravitate towards stuff like that you know there's other people get killed all the time of stuff and it doesn't make the news and there's reasons for that they they want ratings so we've all kind of learned that you know where we watch the news and be like this is fucking stupid this isn't a story how is this news when you see a certain segment and but here's where we still haven't noticed it 
with little things that keep adding up that change our perception. Like I remember something with kidnapping, which kidnapping, of course, I'm anti, duh, that's horrible. But someone said something like, I'm not going to let my kids ever go anywhere. And I commented, I'm like, do you know, like 95% of kidnappings are by someone who knows the kid. Usually like, you know, it's a situation where there was a breakup and the father, the, the mother said, you can't see the kids anymore. You're a scumbag. And the father's like, I'll fucking take my kid. And he picks him up from school. And the teacher's just like, oh yeah, there's your dad. Not knowing they got into a big fight. And then the mom's like, oh my God, he was kidnapped. And you know, that's what it is. And also people rarely get kidnapped rarely the numbers are that your child is so unlikely to get kidnapped or molested bill burr had a great joke about this on one of his specials like i don't know in 2010 maybe it was why do i do this or let it go one of those specials from like 2008 to 2012 era bill burr where he basically talks about like nobody wants to fuck your kid you know it's just it's very unlikely and we show people statistics all the time as a society Maybe the news doesn't, but I know there are people out there going like, look at the numbers. Most people aren't pedophiles. Most people aren't murdered. Uh, every time there's a comment about my city, Chicago, by some national source on social media or on anything, they go, Chicago, Jesus Christ, man. People get shot every day there. I'm like, yeah, they do. But the odds of you getting shot there are very unlikely. I see people all the time going like, oh, I don't want to visit Chicago. It's fucking bullets whizzing by your head constantly. Joe, you live in Chicago? Oh, my God. How many times did you have to run for cover? None. Zero. I'm not saying there isn't crime here. There is crime. Carjackings are up. All that stuff's bad. But it, the numbers this year aren't worse than they were in the 90s. You know what I mean? And I bring that up because, like, if it could go from really bad in the 90s, like the 90s was worse than the last this year in the last five years, then it got really good. And as a matter of fact, I remember the year 2004, the murders were so low. It was like the lowest it had been since the early 60s. I bring it up because that means it could get good again. It, you know, if, if it's really horrible one year, that does not mean the future can't be better. I think some people see it as trend and they just go, well, it's just going to continue to get bad. I'm like, no, because we have numbers where it's shown, oh, it was really high in the late 80s, early 90s. Then in the 2000s, it got really good. Then it went back up this last decade. And who knows, maybe going into the 20s, the rest of the 20s can be fantastic. I'm a glass is half full kind of guy. But the media really makes it seem like Chicagoans are just we're constantly running for cover. And it's it's really, look, there's three or four neighbors in this city that are war zones, and that's horrible. And there should be a lot more addressed to solve that. But the vast majority of the city is pretty good. I mean, even this flash mobs, if you guys haven't heard that there was like gangs of teenagers, like hundred teenagers, it's, it's insane. And I'm not a fan of it because, you know, a lot of times when I hear about people robbing corporations or like big time stores, like if someone's like, oh, that guy robbed a Walmart, I'm like, I don't care. Walmart's doing fine. They're, they'll live. But if you're doing it with groups of hundred and the shoppers in those areas are afraid to go back shopping in that area, then yeah, it's going to start to hurt the bottom line of these stores. And some of these stores will be like, you know what? We no longer could justify these downtown prices on our, re on our real estate or wherever the leases are. It's not worth it for us anymore. Yeah, we're still making some money. And of course, we mark up our products. That way, if we do get robbed, we still have profit. They do. That's why things are a little bit more expensive. You know, you ever see someone's like, oh, it costs $4 to make this shirt, but then they sell for 30. They factor in someone might steal this shirt. So, you know, and, and then these stores start to, to leave and then there's empty storefronts. 
And then that hurts other business. You know, there's, there is a domino effect. So yes, I would like to see people not stealing. So that's, yeah, these flash mobs are bad in that sense. Um, because yeah, so there should be more done to stop them. I don't know what, there's a whole thing now. I don't even mean to go down this road. Cause I don't know. I don't know what to think about a lot of it. Um, I just, I'm going to do the thing where I, that I wish more people would do. If you don't have all the information, shut the fuck up. Mainly because some people says, will say, some people says, what the fuck am I talking about? That, you know, crime is up because police are purposely not doing anything about it because the police have gotten so much bad press. They're like, well, you guys don't want our help. Then we're not going to fucking help you. Also, because people have been calling to defund police departments which doesn't mean take all their money away. It just means let's reallocate to some other services that could better help the community overall. Um, like think about it. If we had nicer stores in bad neighborhoods, the people in bad neighborhoods could just rob those stores near their house. They wouldn't have to go to other stores and other neighborhoods. To, <laughs> fucking kidding. Of course. Um, wouldn't it be convenient if the store we robbed six miles North was just a couple blocks away? Yes, it would be. Now we're helping the environment. We're, lowering our carbon footprint by not having to travel so far to rob you know um i'm being silly so uh again for my fucking listeners i i I, i'm mad at myself for even having to say i'm being silly that comment wasn't for fucking you that comment is for the future prick (laughs) seven to eight years from now when i get some big deal when netflix finally knows oh this joe kilgallen's not to be fucked with let's give him a goddamn special or I get some screenplay sold and some jerk off or some blog is going to look up and look through hours and hours of my podcast content and take that one little fucking fragment out of context to try to bury me. Me being, I'm being silly. That was for you. Cause anyone who listens to this podcast fucking knows comedy and they know when someone's having a good time and they know when someone's joking. So that shit I just did there. I've been listening to some playbacks where I'm enjoying it. I'll I'll be honest with you. I've really been enjoying the last six weeks of episodes of me talking about myself for about 30 minutes. But every now and then I hear myself being like, "Ah, I guess no, I'm joking. I'm like, yeah, dummy. We do know you're joking, Joe. You don't have to fucking say you're joking. It almost makes it come off like I'm apologizing or I'm not as, uh, I don't know. It it definitely seems it's weak. It comes from a position of weakness. It's like too afraid. I'm not fucking afraid. I'm not. I'll say whatever the fuck I want. Uh, If I know what I'm talking about, I'll never be one of those people that tries to come up on stage or in the podcast microphone and be like, well, here's the fucking problem. If I don't know all the facts, if I haven't read enough into it, I was saying that there's one side who thinks the police are purposely not doing their job to try to show the public. You fucking need us. You're going to still want to fund us now. Or they're like, what's the fucking point? There's a headache here. Um, and then there's another side that's like, uh, these kids don't worry about getting prosecuted. I, I think maybe there's some truth to both of them, but again, I didn't look into it enough. I didn't look into it enough, you know? Um, so I definitely think prosecution needs to be tougher on a lot of stuff. There was a, a man who was shot in Chinatown and killed Chinatown part of Chicago. Not that long ago, like three or four days ago, the guy who killed him had prior gun arrests. And it's like, how many do you need to have where we're going to keep letting you out? Now I think the prison system's fucked up when you hear about this guy's doing two years for selling a couple dime bags of weed. I'm like, that's insane. You know what I mean? Let that guy out. That's crazy. But for violent offenses. Yeah. Lock them the fuck up. You know, some guy's selling loose cigarettes. I don't care. Even, even like a couple kids robbing a target. And by robbing, I mean shoplifting. I don't mean gunpoint at, you know, the 74 year old cashier's, you know, head. Oh, the 74 year old cashier target, man. Shit. Can you guys just have her folding? 
there's some cashier. There, first of all, there aren't as many cashiers left anymore. Every store I go to these days, they're more and more doing that self-checkout bullshit, which is another great Bill Burr joke. I'm, I'm channeling some Bill Burr today, which I don't mean to do because a lot of people have compared me to Bill Burr. They go, oh, he's like a young Bill Burr. And I'm like, look, we're just similar in background. I try to talk about completely different things than him. I'm not ripping him off. I'm not intentionally trying to be like a Bill Burr who I've met a bunch of times. And he's a great guy. Played hockey with him. Really good dude. But my my point is that like it's as a comedian, you don't want to be compared to other people. You want to be your own person. But I get the comparison. We're fiery Irish Americans. But it's true. I remember when hearing him talk about like his family. I'm like, ah, oh, it sounds like mine. Like they're just we're similar people. I definitely think I take my comedy a little bit different than he does. Uh, but to be compared to him, look, at least I'm getting compared to someone who's awesome. But Bill Burr had a great joke about self-checkouts and how they're making you do the work. And I definitely feel that way. And then the stores that don't have self-checkouts, I feel like they're putting super, like I'm not being anti-old, but first of all, it breaks my heart when I see women in their mid to late seventies working, unless they really are like, I'm just bored at home and I want to help out. I just, it's like, you should be, you should be at home knitting. You should be standing on your feet all day and you're really slow, which is making people go, I'm going to go check out this self-checkout and do it myself. You guys hear my dog in the background? I hope she shuts the fuck up soon. I love my dog. She's great, but she's got to ch chill out with the barking at every little thing that goes by. You know, sometimes I'm like, yeah, bark at that person. They they look like they need to be scared. And other times I'm like, oh, come on. You're, bar you're barking at those are 15 year old girls. What are, the, what are they doing? Huh? Chewing gum too loudly. You don't need to bark at everyone who's near our house. Sniff them out, right? Get near the window. Show them your face. But you don't have to fucking growl. Okay. I'm trying to watch Hawkeye and you're barking and I have to pause and rewind. You guys watch the show Hawkeye and Disney Plus? Marvel has been killing it, man. I got my tickets for Spider-Man and IMAX this Friday. I'm pumped. Super pumped about that. Uh, so, yeah, as I was saying, though, I think I figured it out. Um, yeah, it's just it's 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 a bummer that, you know, media kind of does all that stuff. That was my greater point that where anytime we see an adult by themselves looking at children, we think the worst. It'd be nice if we could get back to a spot where we could trust each other a little bit more to just be like, oh, maybe that's one of their kids, you know? Or yeah, or what if it was a couple old people and they go, oh, those are my grandchildren running around there. Like we just immediately have to assume. Or and I, I think I started this point, but with comedy, I always have people come up to me after the show and say, oh man, you were great, but man, I wouldn't want to be a comedian right now. It sounds like you guys can't say anything without getting in trouble. And I'm like, ah, not really. We look, most audiences are there to have a good time. Most people don't give a fuck what you say unless you're really up there saying hate speech and conspiracy theories that aren't true. You know, <laughs> you're running up there shouting the N word a bunch of times. Yeah, that's bad. Don't do that. Don't, don't be that person. But for the most part, a lot of it is where, when I do see stiffness from audiences and like audiences that we call tight in the business, like, man, that was a tight crowd. It's because the comedian will bring up a topic and then they start to go, Ooh, I heard about this topic on the news. I wonder if this, I'm going to be here live when a comedian gets canceled or gets in trouble. And then they get quiet instead of actually being present. They're not present at that point. They're thinking of like, Oh, Oh, that's why they call it trigger words. That word says something. It makes them go, Oh shit, shit. You know, stuff like that. Um, all right. Changing gears again, though. I, I feel like I was about to go down the same rabbit hole or, or go down the same tangent. That's the word I'm going to use. I feel like I'm about to go down that same tangent. I tend to go on sometimes where I talk about you know, people overreacting to certain things. And I just like, you guys have heard that enough. If And if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, go back and listen to other episodes. It's 30 minutes of fun. Just me having some good times with it, you know? Um, 
yeah, and I want people to to be, to be positive and try to look for the good things in this world. So that's why even with crime, I'm like, if it starts to get to the point where it's random shootings, where someone just walks up people and blows someone's head off for no reason, then it's like, ah. Again, though, the carjackings bother me. And when it's about 100 people just terrorizing a bunch of stores, even though a lot of these stores, like I said before, they have insurance, they can afford it. There's a ripple effect to some of this stuff. Um, you know, if you if, you, if you're thinking... It'd be one thing if these people were like doing it as like a form of protest where it's like, this is revolution and we're trying to stick it to these corporations. I'm like, okay, that's, that's good. But there's, there's definitely a way to do it where you're not beating up a bus driver. Who's not minding their own business, which is what happened. Um, all right. So I was watching guardians of the galaxy two recently, like last week. Uh, Cause I'm going to go see Spider-Man no way home in a couple of days. For whatever reason, I started watching some of the Marvel movies again. In the past week alone, or the past two weeks, I've watched Civil War, because that was the first Spider-Man um, MCU movie. I didn't watch Homecoming, because I, I don't have it, but I was able to watch Far From Home. Then I watched Black Widow, because I, then I got it into the timeline of Civil War. After Civil War, Black Widow is technically next in the timeline. And then, I don't know, for whatever reason, I watched Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which out of order for you marvel fans listening right now going the fuck kind of order are you going in right now i just watched it It came out in 2017 that's why i think which was a year after civil war that movie uh, right now i'm going to tell you about i'm gonna give you five movies that have absolutely made me cry my eyes out some of them might surprise you they're never the typical movies number one there are dog movies like marley and me and old yeller and there's a few other ones out there i will not watch those i love dogs and if someone tells me, oh, this is a movie about a dog and it gets sad, I go, I'm not going to watch that. Oh, no, but it's really good. I'm like, I don't. Look, I have a dog. I love her to death. The thought of her not existing makes me very, very sad. Don't need to put myself through that shit. Not into it. So stop trying to convince me. So those movies are out. Any movies that are clearly like, I didn't watch Schindler's List. All right? I, I don't want to watch horrible Holocaust type stuff. That breaks my heart as much that that actually happened. Um, you know, the history books were tearjerker enough. I don't need to watch the movie. I just didn't, I didn't do it. And it came out when I was like really young. So, and they're not the obvious ones too. I didn't cry at the fucking notebook, you know? Um, so here's my five, five movies that have made me sad. And uh, they should have made you sad too. So I'm gonna lead off with Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So again, if you haven't seen these, spoiler alert for Guardians of the Galaxy 2. It's uh, it takes place right after the events of Guardians of the Galaxy one, and Chris Pratt's character, Peter Quill, Star Lord, his dad comes back in the picture. You never knew whose dad was growing up, and it turns out his dad is basically like a god. He's like ego the planet. He's got like he's a celestial, I think he calls himself, and insane power and all this. And he's trying to reconnect with his son, but it turns out it's for like bad purposes. Like he wants to take over. He plants his seed in all these other worlds and he wants to take them over and he's a bad dude. And then he finds out that his dad killed his mom. And then Peter's like, fuck that. Cause his whole thing was like, why weren't you there for my mom? My mom his, and the first one you find out his mom dies of cancer. That's really sad. That almost, I might've credit that one too. Anyhow, at the end of the movie though, Yandu, who's one of the ravagers who you always thought you were under the impression that he kidnapped Quill. But it turns out he had gotten Quill so that Ego couldn't get him his whole life and never told him the truth. So he really wasn't a bad guy. And then he sacrifices himself to save Chris Pratt, Peter Quill. And that scene's very touching. Great acting on both sides. And then there's this funeral scene at the end 
because early in the movie he runs into Sylvester Stallone, who's part of a different Ravenger faction, and uh, he's just like, "You'll never, you'll never get a Ravenger funeral. You'll never hear the sweet sounds or the fire. You know, all this great stuff." And then it happens. And like Guardians of the Galaxy One, Guardians of the Galaxy Two has a killer soundtrack. Whoever puts the soundtracks together for these movies, I don't know if it's James Gunn, does an amazing job. And honestly, I cried so hard at Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And on that train of thought, let's let's switch it up a little bit. Another Marvel movies make me cry, and then also Pixar makes me cry. Disney in general knows how to do it. Now, with the Pixar movie, I'm going to give an example. As uh, I talked about this movie last week, is Toy Story 4, but also Toy Story 3. I talked about both of them on last week's podcast, about how Bonnie's the fucking worst. And basically, what made me cry so hard is uh, the scene where, in Toy Story 3, when you all think they're going to die, that almost gets you. But then when it's like, so long, partner, Andy says, and Woody kind of looks up, you know, and that one got me. And then when they thought they were going to die, when they thought they were going to die, really, like I said before, really gets me. Oh, Toy Story 4. Here's what got me in Toy Story 4. Woody decides to stay with Bo Peep and Buzz and all them go off with Bonnie. And Woody looks out as the RV's leaving with all of his friends, Buzz, Jesse, the Potato Heads, Rex, the works, Slinky Dog. And he says, to infinity. And then Buzz completes it. And he goes, or no, Buzz says to infinity. Then Woody says, and beyond. And then they got this music going. And you realize Woody and Buzz are not going to be together anymore. Also, they're fucking toys. They don't have cell phones. They can text each other. The whole thing just makes you ball your eyes out. Um, all right, I got time to give you one more movie. And then I'm going to do the rest of it. I had top 10 written down, but here's a little teaser. You want to support the podcast? Patreon.com slash Joe Kilgallen. I will post uh, a bonus podcast in which I talk about 10 movies that make me cry. The other one, Dead Poets Society, Robin Williams. Uh, I saw it after he died. That was a movie I always meant to see. And when Robin Williams died, me and my wife went on a Robin Williams kick where we were watching all of his movies. And in that one, when the, the school, like he was an unconventional teacher. He was teaching them to challenge things. He was teaching them to go for the arts. And it was a community. It was real, I think, Catholic school, real conservative. And they were basically like, no, you go to school. You do this. You wear a tie. You're proper. You do missionary you, you only have sex for procreation. You're, you're a robot. There's no feelings, you know? And he was like, fuck that shit. Art, art is what makes life on, on this planet worth living. You know, there's a great speech where he goes, all these other things, these are noble pursuits and they make life sustainable. You know, being an engineer, you know, working as a garbage man, all these other jobs, they're great. But really write poetry, become an actor, sing a song, play a song, tell some jokes, paint a picture. He was trying to encourage them to go into that world to find your passion is what he was trying to tell them. And they're going to fire him. And then all the students go to come. They have his back and they do this whole, oh, captain, my captain. And they all turn around. You get the tears, get the tears at that one. Right. It's amazing. All right. You guys are amazing. If you want to hear the rest of my movies to cry to uh, check out the Patreon. And as always, everyone, you have yourselves a great week. Cheers.